Hello, Disaster Divas. It's Amanda. And you know that if you're hearing me at the beginning of the episode, most likely it means that we're reissuing one. Um, In this case, because due to unforeseen circumstances, we weren't able to record with Van over the weekend. So we are going to have to put that Armageddon episode on hold. Um, So instead, we're going to reissue the the day after tomorrow episode which was our first visit from van when he became established very quickly as our chief roland emmerichologist so please take a listen if you haven't already or just listen to revisit it um if you're not going to listen to this episode we do ask that you i don't know rate and review us visit our store disastergirls.myshopify.com hang out with us on twitter at disaster underscore pod disastergirlspod at gmail.com we've got disaster uh, what are we? We're Disaster Girls Pod on Instagram. And then we are r slash Disaster Girls on Reddit, even though, yeah, we still don't know what to do with any of those other uh, other accounts, but we're everywhere. So if you're going to listen, please enjoy. If not, we'll see you all back next week. And we are going to be doing Seeds of Destruction, a made-for-TV movie that is downloadable on every major streaming service. Thanks and uh, have a good week. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gruciola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hello, welcome back. Uh, once again, Disaster Divas for a blockbuster week. I am here with my, I am Jordan Cruciola, here with my co-host. Amanda Smith. And it is a blockbuster for two reasons. One, we are doing a big, shiny tentpole movie. And two, we have an incredible guest. Guest, why don't you introduce yourself and give everybody the big reveal? Yes, it is, it is I, Van Lathan. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know who I am. Uh, yeah, but Van Lathan, co-host of both Way Down in the Hole, the, the number one wire rewatch podcast in the world for the right. Ringer, and Higher Learning, mm-hmm. uh, also on the Ringer Network. And we are here to discuss one of my very favorite movies, The Day After Tomorrow, a Roland Emmerich jewel of cinema. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I mean, it is. We we like to save the the biggest movies for guests, so they can, you know, hey, if a guest ever wants to come on and talk about a made for sci fi channel classic from two thousand and four, that's totally cool. But we we like to leave the most delicious apples on the tree to be plucked by those who are good enough to join us. And I'm very excited that we finally get to get into, like you said, this Roland Emmerich stone cold classic of maybe not even just the disaster genre, but of cinema generally yeah listen i remember i saw this movie it was i think it's 2004 i'm pretty sure it's 2004 so i was just out of college and i was still in that stage where i was going to i thought that my life would make a difference (laughs) you know what i mean so like like i wanted to be and this movie wasn't just about you know if the aliens come mm-hmm. because if the aliens come basically we gotta wait for them to screw up right you know mm-hmm. you know the aliens come we gotta we need jeff goldblum or we need just them to get we you know tom cruise. Uh, we need tom cruise or in that movie it wasn't really tom cruise it was extraterrestrial syphilis that ended up killing them they, they came here and they got disease and all that stuff like yeah. that yeah yeah they- but in, <laughs> in this movie though 
this movie was one to where I thought, hey, I'm going to go there and learn stuff about <laughs> how I can stop impending environmental doom right, from yeah. destroying the earth. Mm-hmm, and as mm-hmm. soon as I got down and sat down in the theater, I was like, no, there's nothing I can do to stop <laughs> <laughs> Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, ultimately, like, the, the disasters do win in this sure. movie. Yeah, like, yeah. the disasters do win in that way that I, one of my favorite things about Godzilla King of the Monsters, which I really hope we get to on this pod at some point, uh, is that Vera Farmiga's character, spoiler, like, is right. Like, she, like, the, the villain, the villain is an eco-terrorist, mm-hmm. and she's just right about everything, it turns out, which, like, Yes, you know, the the forces of good, quote unquote, win the day as they must in a franchise like that. But at the same time, she's validated in her entire concept at the end. It's like, oh, well, I guess we got to have our cake and eat it, too. We got to, you know, the the disaster was unstoppable. The disaster did win. The villain was vanquished, but also did win. And that's kind of that's a thrill. That's one of the most thrilling things to me about the disaster movie is that you kind of get to have you get to have it all. You get to have tornadoes in Los Angeles. You get to have hurricanes consuming the entire northern hemisphere. And then you get to have Jake Gyllenhaal in a library with Emmy Rossum. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, it's it's survival. It's like that's this is one of those fun. This is one of the fun disasters where it's about survival. It's not about figuring out the solution, which is inevitably nuking it. Like there's no. There's no point where we all have to sit there and be like, would funneling the lava into a tube actually help? It's just like, <laughs> no, they just have to, they just have to make it through this alive. And I love when it's, I love when we get one of those and it's satisfying. And this is that, a great example. That is the thing that I was going to say is that yeah. like, like when survival is just winning, mm-hmm. like that is, I love that because that's something we can all maybe do. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I mean, we're all going to fail at it eventually, but it, that's something that we can all, if you tell me, like, one of the best parts of this movie is when Jake Gyllenhaal is trying to convince people mm-hmm. that not doing anything is the way <laughs> that you actually are going to survive this. If you go do some stuff, you're going to die out there trying to do it. Just stay here. Don't do shit. <laughs> and like and, and like I like that. Like I like that because you know that shows you uh it breaks us down to our basis levels as uh, uh, as human beings which mm-hmm. our baser instincts are just to survive. Yes. And now would you would who would like to give the van would it like to would you like to give the summary of what the day after tomorrow is about uh to get us kicked off? Oh, without a doubt. Sure. Yeah, all right. All right. Let's set the stage. Yes. The, the, the movie starts off with Dennis Quaid looking as handsome as he's looked. Ever. <laughs> ever, ever. Maybe since yeah. Inner Space. Mm-hmm. Like, like, oh, like, shit. Oh. Inner Space. That was <laughs> very hot, Dennis Quaid. <laughs> he, was very, he was very handsome in Inner Space, uh-huh. right? Um, he's, he's addressing the UN, and they all seem very pensive and into what he's saying. He's telling people that we are on the trajectory to environmental catastrophe if we don't act now. And of course, the rest of the world is listening to him with bated breath, except for the vice president of the United States of America. God damn it. Who's always us, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's basically wearing a Make America Great Again hat and saying, yo, <laughs> uh, I, I, we can't afford to care about the world. 
blah, 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 blah. Dennis Quaid tried to go back and forth. He tells him, no, they asked Dennis Quaid when this is going to happen. And he says, might be 100 years, might be 1,000 years, but mm -hmm. we're on the trajectory to, uh, to uh, environmental catastrophe. Turns out, people, it's not 100 years or 1,000 years. It's not even 100 hours. Yeah. <laughs> because then it, it flips to India, where it's snowing. That's yep. where they're at. <laughs> By the way, in India, that's a sign. Anyway, uh, several different fronts start to happen. We go from New York. Mm -hmm. We go to, I think, the coast of Scotland or something like that. Yeah, really? that we get like you know, that's where like the outpost is for the UK, yeah. which right. will thank God factor in with the royal family later on in the movie. Absolutely, yeah. this huge environmental catastrophe comes. Uh, I, that that is ushering in the second ice age, and we have dueling storylines between Dennis Quaid and his son, who's trapped Jake Gyllenhaal in a library in New York. His ex-wife is it ex-wife? Uh, yeah, they're yes. Or, yes, they're there is separated if not divorced. Yes, yes. Ex-wife who is a uh, she's a doctor and she she works in a clinic and she is trapped there waiting for a patient to come get saved. Basically, the whole world is coming apart at the seams, yes. and Dennis Quaid is trying to get to his son to save him mm. from freezing to death in New York. That is the main emotional tether of the movie. Yeah. Everything else that's happening is just about uh, you got uh, tornadoes in Los Angeles, which has never happened before, which I live here, which is frightening. You got all, <laughs> you know, all kinds of stuff happening all over the world because we are in, in, in like environmental cataclysm and the second ice age is coming. That's the best and, I can do. Yeah, and the, and, and the I think like this was definitely the coolest looking movie I had ever seen, I think at the time that I saw oh, yeah. it. And the the storm cells, the the massive, the circuit of hurricanes that like surrounds the Northern hemisphere, they're gonna be located, like there's one in the States, there's one over like Russia, mm -hmm. East Asia, and there's one over like the UK, like Europe area is kind of the epicenters of them. They have those giant eyes right? where they're like, it's like hundreds of miles across or hundreds of kilometers. And they have that thing where when those eyes wash, cause like the hurricanes are bad, the winds are bad, but when the eyes come over, they That's pull a super frozen air. What is it they say? From the upper troposphere through the center right. of the soul. <laughs> yeah. And they freeze everything Actual, instantly, instantly on contact. Instantly. Yeah. The, yep. the race it against time, the, the race against time of the troposphere air freeze and the eye of the hurricane seizing Manhattan mm -hmm. is, so, is so burned in my mind. That is formative cinema. Right. Yeah. I was still surprised, like watching it again, I fully thought it came way earlier in the movie because of how like strong of an impression it made on me the first few times I've watched it. Yeah. I if, if you would have asked me, I'd been like, it's at the halfway mark. I know exactly <laughs> when it is. And the moment I thought it was gonna be was when the big boat shows up. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> wait, hold on. There's an entire rest of this movie. I forgot about yeah. that. It there, was very the, exciting. The CGI, I will say just, the just CGI, to see. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, you go. I was gonna say this the, the CGI tsunami was the pinnacle to me of special effects up mm -hmm. to that point in cinema, where because the, the hurricane's coming over New York, it pulls so much water away from the city, and then ob inevitably, obviously, the wave comes crashing back. I mean, it is as tall as New York City skyscrapers, and it was that that particular effect was featured in a package that Vulture did last year of like um 
of special effects. And it was the, I think the title was the hardest effect I ever created. And so there was an individual spotlight on that wave that, that CGI, that CGI digital artist was like, that was the toughest thing I ever pulled off. I mean, it was, it was, it was stunning. It was like seeing it. It was like watching documentary footage at the time. That was how fucking convincing that was. You know what? In many ways, the day after tomorrow was like a culmination of a mini resurgence of the disaster movie that happened in the mid to late 90s, early 2000s. Because remember when we had, I think it was one summer or alternating years, I was in my last uh, couple of years of high school where we had two comet movies come out at the same time. Yeah. Basically. Deep Impact Armageddon. Deep Impact and Armageddon. Yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. Armageddon is the more memorable of those two movies. <laughs> although. And- and I will and I will ride for Deep Impact as the better of those two movies. I think Deep Impact is better, although Deep Impact has a scene in it that's too sad for me. To the beach do. is it the beach? Oh Jesus Christ, Jesus. man! Like, 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 I started to walk out of the movie at that point. <laughs> yeah. it was, like, I'm sitting there. By the way, I took a date to that movie. <laughs> like, you, you, you hear me? Like, I, I, like, I guess at that point you're like, well, hey, we have nothing else to live for. We gotta live yeah. for today. Yeah. Right. Like, like, so at that immediacy. Taylor on the beach and <laughs> her and her dad, and they just. Yep die in a huge i'm like that's not what the fuck i came out here for isn't like it, isn't her last word daddy and daddy and then cradles into him yeah. and he just protects her and then they die so anyway so yeah. like you have those movies and it kind of yeah. be, and then the day after tomorrow is basically roland emmerich going okay armageddon okay blah 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 okay even my the last movie i made i'm gonna show you guys that i can <laughs> go bigger <laughs> I'm gonna give you hurricanes and freezing people and tornadoes <laughs> and all of it and heartbreaking stuff all yes. in the same movie. Top this, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think the perfect storm was even a little bit before that, which is also was, yeah. sad as hell. Oh, perfect oh, storm is, yeah. is brutal. White, yeah, and White Squall, fuck that movie. Too. <laughs> right, you know what I mean? So all of those, and and this movie kind of tied it all together. So I had to see it. Yeah, that's a very good point. And I will put this to both of you then. Do we is the day after tomorrow? Maybe there's one. I'm just not thinking of it. Is the day after tomorrow? Like you said, it is kind of a culmination of the disaster form, especially at that time. Is that where the super disaster was really cemented? Like, yes, a comet could take out the Earth and that is a global scale. But like in that in that wave of movies, you have the perfect storm, you have Twister, you have Volcano. You have these movies with very, very localized disasters that are epic in their scope, yet local. But in this one, it's the it's not just a hurricane. It's not just a tornado. It is a convergence of years of environmental neglect. That means the entire planet is about to turn against us in every imaginable way was this the was this the beginning of that Jordan, the geostorm dare you how fucking dare you no i i wanted 2000, to 2003 the core okay well oh, how, yeah, how very uh, dare you i forgot right. i forgot right. how ve- I've, as you're i was like i know what road she's going down and i'm about to get real hurt that it's true the core true. personal yeah. favorite i, I was actually i was seeing a different movie in the theater mm-hmm. Like literally, this is what happened. Yeah. I was seeing a different movie in the theaters, and I was walking out, and I saw a poster for the core, which was playing in that same theater, yeah. and I went straight to the box office. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was, I was like, nah, man. I was like, nah. Yeah, turn back around. Thirty, like thirty minutes. I, I want one. Give me one for the core. <laughs> I went back and watched it. I went back and watched it. I gotta see it. I yeah, gotta see it. Impeccable. The right. core is impeccable. Right. The a core- movie of thespians trapped in a container. <laughs> 
in the core of the earth. Like, God. Why not put Delroy Lindo in with San Lee Tucci and be like, do your best character work of your life. <laughs> while Delroy in on her way to two Oscars beating Annette Benning both times. Yeah, this that was her trying to get her shit off, though. Like, that was her, <laughs> that she was still on the climb right there, Hillary was. Yeah, man. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, what a, and what a platform from which to launch. The exactly, <laughs> right. So I love you're, you're, of course, you're right, Amanda, you're right, Amanda. But the, they, I, they definitely, they don't, they, like, they, this really, what an this era. Was the, no, this was, like, one of the first true, like, this is all-encompassing, which I just, the thing I wanted to say before, I want to seat this, like, historically, because we're all old now. But in 2004, <laughs> there's probably a lot of people who, don't necessarily remember 2004. So we have 9-11 in 2001. Right. The fact that they destroy New York, there's actually scenes in this that are like reminiscent of the actual um, the terror attacks, but destroying, this is the first movie that goes back and is like, no, we're going to fuck up New York shit. Nothing's safe yeah. anymore. Yeah. Um, obviously the vice president is Dick Cheney. Like that's just, he's, yeah. he's somehow still a less morally vacuous Dick Cheney. Um, which you wouldn't think is possible, but yeah, Dick Cheney is basically Darth fucking Vader. Yeah. So like you, you, you wouldn't think that it couldn't like you wouldn't think it could get worse, but it can apparently. Yeah, it can. Yeah. Still, right. still could get worse than guy who's like, no, I don't care about the end of the world. The Dick Cheney still existed. Right. Uh, so you've got all that going on, and then yeah, the fact that suddenly we have this much more like turn to the global because it's 2004, and suddenly the Chinese market, all these other markets are so huge suddenly. Yeah. So yeah, the, you're you're right. This is the first like this is one of the first kind of leading into the global it's very rare now that we get a disaster that's that's centralized the idea of i, I think the the core i think was part of this too but in, yeah. i think what we what we see here like the international consortium of disaster solutions mm-hmm. because yeah. we are in that globalized world we are in that connected world we are the, the interconnected world. So like something like a 2012, it's the nation, you know, the Roland Emmerich special, it's the nations coming together, Independence right. Day, the nations coming together, this wandering earth, one out of, out of China, wandering earth. It is yeah. the, the global alliance has, you know, finally the problem big enough to make all peoples come together under the banner of humanity mm-hmm. to confront the issue that is the, the globalization era of, of disaster genre and I'm very interested like suddenly the socio-political aspects of this while always interesting are really gelling for me right now in the way in the way of it's like post like late 90s post 9-11 truth which coincides with our like surge in awareness of like climate catastrophe and the idea of it like getting closer worth that like two minutes to midnight basically right, in terms yeah. of climate disaster where we're hitting that threshold where it's it's there's it's the event horizon, the event right. horizon of climate change catastrophe. And I remember seeing a movie with my homeboys and then like walking out of the theaters and then being like, yo, man, could that shit really happen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, I, and yeah. I'm like, hey, hey, fam, don't litter, bro. Don't litter. We should have carpooled. Oh, yeah. Like, like, is that and then like, like is that shit really going? Because it's. You know, it's also one of those movies where, you know, it's not as if, like, fundamentally, when you watch Armageddon, you -hmm. think of the triumph of the human spirit, right? Absolutely, yes. You you think, okay, uh, once again, super good-looking guy, Ben Affleck, and formerly great-looking guy, Bruce Willis, (laughs) holding on to it. They got to go and drill into an asteroid. Yeah. (laughs) You know what? Way to go, Michael Bay. You got (laughs) 
I'm this podcast's resident Michael Bay apologist. So right. yes. but no yes. one needs to ever apologize for Michael Bay. I'm sorry. That's just I, I mean, I like maybe for him personally, but like not as a not as a filmmaker genre. Right. Bless bless the heroes of Armageddon specifically for having their key stipulation for participation in this event be no taxes for the rest of our lives. Never want to pay taxes again. I I super relate to that request now at the time. (laughs) It's funny, but I don't. But now I'm like, shit, if I could just like taxes forever. Never pay taxes again. (laughs) I've done enough. Yeah, um, it's too well, much work. When you see a movie like that, which is kind of like the you know we're gonna be better than something, yeah. it's almost diametrically opposed to a movie to where we're the villains. Yeah, like exactly. Like, we're the villains. It's all our fault. We have to survive this huge thing that's that we created, and throughout the entire movie, it's really the little mini human dramas that like pull this gigantic disaster story together. And I like that type of thing. I even like the courting, and that just shows you, horniness always wins. Yeah, the, it is so true. The courting that that Jake Gyllenhaal is doing yep. to the always lovely Emmy Rossum, yes. it's, it, 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 it's happening even though they don't even know how yep. long they got to live. He's still a... Gotta make it go happen, bro. Yeah, I, I gotta shoot I my shot. Gotta yeah. shoot your shot still. I, I, I love this movie, man. Yeah, in it, terms of the reality index, like that, just to, to, to talk about that first, like the reality of it, there was never a moment in my mind where I was like, he is gonna be distracted by anything other than the fact no. that he gets, he, like, he needs to make a move on Emmy Rossum, and like that is his key goal in all of this. Like, yeah. Everyone else might want to survive. Jake Gyllenhaal is really excited that he gets like his character gets to hug a girl while wearing his boxers. Yeah, I, mean, it's, yeah. it's, I get it. I was like, way, I doubt it. The whole end of the world thing kind of worked out for him. Yeah, because he was losing the battle between old Mister Preppy Pants, smarty, good-looking dude yeah. before this. Yeah, if he wasn't able to show his medal during an apocalyptic scenario, <laughs> yeah. he might have not gotten a girl. So I guess he should be happy that the whole thing went the way that it did. Well, in this movie, really adheres to core logic as well. The core logic, which is a, Kyle Buchanan is a big, uh, the New York Times carpetbagger Kyle Buchanan is a really big fan of small stakes, of local stakes movies. And the, like what you were saying at the very beginning of this, Van, the, the wonderfully honed in on emotional little like the heartbeats of this movie are what make or what keep you in there because surviving the end of the war like taking on the end of the world too big but like surviving for one person we can do that yeah, yeah. quite surviving for his son and finding him he can do that seal award surviving in the hospital to protect her patients she can do that in the in the heat of the moment when the city of new york is frozen over and they're all going to be flash frozen he's like i've got a i've got emmy rossum and i need to focus on her i am i am a high school boy and i need to focus on this high school girl <laughs> right that is what is getting them through these things and that does feel very believable in the event that we are in now where we have been utterly abandoned by greater federal leadership we truly only do have mutual policing to get us through a fucking pandemic that is happening so my god one facetime at a time we are (laughs) yep literally one facetime at a time before i go to sleep mama yep are you okay do you have a sniffle have you been going outside? Yep. One thing, because I can't rely on anybody other than me to yep. check up on my mama and my mm-hmm. elderly grandmother every single yep. day. Exactly. 
and that is that is somehow in the the emergent soullessness of Roland Emmerich's films. At the time, he was still so good at that. Yeah, he's yeah. the man. I fuck yeah. with him. This is why I wanted to talk about. I liked. I was delighted. I rewatched, and I was delighted to be in the <laughs> moment that I, I once. I tell these stories on all on on every movie podcast. I did the big picture. I talked about the time that I accosted. Um, um, Jason Schwartzman at a Bevmo in LA, but <laughs> but I also I did the same with Emmy Rossum, like like Emmy Rossum was walking down the street in Bedford. I was working as on Bedford. I was working as a camera guy from TMZ. I shoot the people uh-huh. right, so I got my shot of her going in. She's always very lovely to the camera guys. She's That's walking true. down Bedford. She knows she's gonna get shot, so she's yeah. always very lovely to the camera. But coming out, um, <clears throat> I was like, I'm a huge fan of yours. She goes, You like Shameless? I go, No. I've never seen Shane. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I've never seen it. I'm a huge fan of yours from the day after tomorrow. She finished my sentence. <laughs> she finished my sentence. And she said, that's a good one. And I'm like, yes, that's a good one. And then she, then she walks away. She walks back to her car. Lovely lady. Always used to come out there all the time. Very, very lovely lady. Very nice. That's the, that's the, that's the really the assessment of, of, is the celebrity a nice person? Yeah. How are they treating the photographer? Yeah. Not necessarily how are they treating the other famous people, but how are they treating the photographers <laughs> and the, the people just living their lives around them every day? So I'm very glad to hear that. Thank you, Emmy Rossum. Sweet, sweet lady. For your also service. important that someone appreciate, like when they appreciate their less than, you know, the, the performances that might not get the prestige attention. Right. That aren't going to be in the, the Emmy and or Oscar conversation. Yeah. There was the By story way. that was going around about Ben Stiller told Gene Hackman he was a big fan of his from Poseidon Adventure because it was such like a seminal movie. It's like, what made me want to be a director? And Gene Hackman basically said, fuck you and walked away. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> and you know what? Not preacher Gene. That's why Pre- I never you, like it. I'm sorry, preacher Gene. If that's going to be your response, like you don't. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve what? the adulation of Ben Stiller. That's what it is. I think that in part that there was a part of me that went back and forth that I thought maybe perhaps it was a value judgment on me that she looked at me and went, nah, you look like a day after tomorrow. <laughs> Just an assessment of you look like a man who appreciates not only fine cinema, but cinema that was ahead of its time warning us about the dangers of natural of you know global warming. That's right. what it was. She looked and she's like, he's he's a guy who knows what's up about the uh, about the climate change. Sure. That's yeah. me. That's yeah. Greenpeace Layton. <laughs> a global scale disaster, a global scale disaster movie really gives us um, the opportunity to give us the new knowledge that like to deploy the new knowledge that we have of global deva- global disaster inhabitants to be like, wow, I can really consider now the reality of something that was presented to me fictionally unlike a, a world sized catastrophe and all those things that seemed entirely fanciful to me at the time, even if I was like more aware of littering when I walked out. Suddenly, like you look at those things, like of course it was America that didn't, that did not seize upon this information. Of course, the vice president was like, "No, fuck this." Like I, I, I have no, I don't have an empathy bone in my body. Of course, human error enabled something of this devastating scale to happen, and of course, it has created. Like what I like about what what is nice, like kind of like revenge cinema about this movie is that the 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 developed people get theirs, like the quote unquote developed nations. Oh yeah. And the yeah. northern hemisphere gets effectively wiped out. And right. we like end the movie with us having to have 
migrated, immigrated down to Mexico to survive. Yeah. So while we see in reality that the uh, a disaster exploits inequality gaps and preys upon them, the ones that we have structurally nurtured in this country for uh, centuries, in this movie, despite the reality of seeing America fuck up at every turn that apparently was going to come to fruition years later, we unfortunately many of us wouldn't have guessed, hmm. um, it is great to get the fan service element of being like, yeah, but at least the rich people got theirs. Like the, the royal family doesn't make it out alive, right? Like no, yeah, they're, 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 they're dying. Yeah, they yeah. they die. They basically they kill the royal family mostly off camera. <laughs> <laughs> like I I had completely forgotten that. I completely yeah. like unless you actually know what what Balmoral is, which yeah. I didn't the first time I watched it. No, it wasn't until I watched this I was like, oh, that's her Scottish castle. Yeah. I see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see now. That's wow. They're just gonna kill the whole royal family. The president bites it off screen. Yep. Off screen. Yep. Off screen, yeah. There's a lot of off screen. Like normally, I feel like if this were remade today, this would have been an on screen, but it was an off screen one at the time. I don't think you could do that to the president in 2004. But, uh... <laughs> but, I, but you know what I enjoy about that, man? What I enjoy about it is if the environment or nature turns on us, ain't no president. Like, like there's like there's like, like you know what yeah, I mean? It means everybody, yeah. everybody it's gonna be the same thing. It's gonna be a bunch of human beings yeah. that are trying to figure out how they see a sunset and sunrise. Yep. Yeah. So it, you know, and to what you said earlier is like oftentimes we look like we treat like the word refugee has a connotation to it. It's like a dirty word, right? Yeah. yeah. Like we, we look at re- refugees as undesirable, mm-hmm. as almost complicit in something when the only thing they're complicit in is having been born where they were born. Where they were born, yeah. So it, it's it's really it was really interesting to me at the end of the movie, and that's one of the things that most struck me about it, was at the end we were the refugees basically oh, yeah. punished. And I and I liked that. I liked yes. to see that dynamic, especially during a time where the immigration deba- debate was having its first huge yeah. flare. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was the neo, like with Bush, that was the neoconservative heyday. Exactly. Yeah. Which is like, God, like, remember when neoconservatism was like the most threatening thing and now it feels quaint next to like neo fucking uh, right. Nazis in the government? Fascism. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would yeah. Give my left nut to ha- to be worried about what fucking yeah. Jack Kent was doing. I know. <laughs> Carl Rove. Carl Rove used to be so scary. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and now I might I might text him like, yo, Carl, you up? Like come like, like come come get your people, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I was so scared. It's like being scared of Bowser from Mario, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, Godzilla. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> like so I was scared worse. of I was scared of like this weird turtle thing in a sewer. It turns out that there's an actual fucking kaiju rolling around. <laughs> right. My bad. Yeah, the radioactive poison, the radioactive waste was laid out and the wrong fucking organisms wandered through it named Stephen Miller and now they're in the goddamn oh, White House. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> I I I god, I I am so I am so hopeful for a future in which we get one of our one a patented, you know, cataclysmic multi-front all-world disaster movie with the 100% real life analog- analogs for this presidential administration. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, please, please give me that. I need that. I want it right now. Like, I don't want to hear <laughs> that goddamn movie right now. Yeah, man, it's disgusting. I, I, I think of this movie and I watch it 
And um, I think that, you know, essentially, Dennis Quaid is Fauci. Yeah, no, he is. You're not right. wrong about that. Right. Yeah. It's essentially, Dennis Quaid is Fauci. And I think to myself, this is not a slight of Dr. Fauci, by the way. No, if you were comparing him to Dennis Quaid, like, damn, I think Fauci <laughs> would love that comparison. Yeah, 2004 Dennis Quaid, hell yeah. I yeah. think that what if, would, what if Fauci, what if, what if Fauci looked exactly like Dennis Quaid? Like, the <laughs> yeah. real Fauci. Like, what if that was the guy? Right. I think that we, I think we would have been wearing masks way sooner, you know what I mean? I think not, a, that is not a misestimation. Yeah, I think, you know what I mean? Because Fauci looks, I like Fauci, right? He yeah. looks very, I, yeah. he's got a very trustworthy, God bless him, with a very trustworthy face. I look at yeah. this guy and go, that fucking guy's telling me the truth. I'm very, <laughs> he's, he's dedicated his life to it. But when I was watching the film, rewatching, I was like, shit, man, if this guy was talking, like, they would have, because he, he's just, I, I love this about films. There's no fucking way that that fucking guy would have been the climatologist. You way too good looking. Like, you know what I mean? And then we're right. to believe that Jay Gyllenhaal mm-hmm. is a somewhat outcast at his school. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No. I, I, <laughs> so here's Fauci's got huge pediatrician energy. Like, he's got like, like you look at Fauci and you're like, yeah, that is a guy who tell me that like, we need like that. We need to eat eat healthier and like do these things, but you wouldn't necessarily believe it. But Dennis Quaid's got like the cool high school football coach vibe. Get to test my reflexes. Yeah. Yeah. So like you trust him, but you don't necessarily like you a little bit want to be like, you're not my dad, but (laughs) but Dennis Quaid's got the like cool high school football and math teacher. Like he does, he he does both those things. He's got got that energy. He does. And so, of course, you're going to be like, you know what? Fuck it. If, if Dennis Quaid <laughs> tells me to do that, I'm going to do that. Right. But I don't know. I'm torn only because, like, I don't even know if Dennis Quaid, <laughs> with the power of Dennis Quaid, could convince could convince Americans yeah. to do. I mean, Which they're being told not to. They're being told not to by basically um, essentially like a sack of lard filled into an old condom. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> they're taking that advice. From from there's they're taking no don't do it from that so I really point of realism the yeah. the the people who think they're gonna brave the storm when the guy when when Jake Gyllenhaal's in the library he's like my dad is a paleoclimatologist and he said we should stay here like he's kind of the number one guy who would know these things like he could have been like he just talked to like the president and the whole United Nations about this so like you should really stay here and they're like nope we're going it alone we're oh. going out what are you gonna go fucking find there and what are you gonna go yes. find who led them out yes. of the library? Yeah, mm-hmm. never trust a fucking cop. A fucking cop led them out of the library. Yep. Someone who whose time at the academy in no way made him qualified <laughs> to take on a weather event and go brave the stuff in like which is the entire argument that we're happening right now i jumped out of my seat when i did i was like i was i'm sitting here i'm like yo man why is this fucking cop talking to this kid like he knows what he's talking about we're talking about not having cops go on mental health calls not having cops go all these things that they're not qualified to do Uh this guy because he because he and by the way he looked like a traffic cop, if you ask he me. Had, he just, had big traffic cop vibes. Traffic now. cop. Like, no yeah. way. Let all of those people to their death. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, a, a fucking cop. Don't get me started. Different part. <laughs> don't, get me, 
No, this, you know, it's not the main theme of this movie, but I definitely think a sub theme can be defund the police. Like if they had properly allocated funds, they might've been able to put into place some sort of like, I don't know, evacuation system into the city sooner. They could have maybe had shelters set up in place for the event of a major, a major catastrophe. Right. All that funding that NYPD gets, they have a terrorism unit that's currently monitoring, monitoring what's going on in Lebanon. No, right. it's a subset of this is definitely, yeah. When Six it reminded me dollars a year yeah. to get led into the cold yeah. and fucking <laughs> freeze to death and have good looking Dennis Quaid follow, find you later on. Like it's, <laughs> I, I, literally, I was screaming at the yeah. TV. I it would be a fucking, you know what, you know, whatever, whatever. And the fact that he, like at one point that woman was like, that he goes to wake up the woman and she's dead and he's like, well, sucks for her and moves right on. I was like, see, because they don't care. <laughs> they don't actually, he doesn't care about anyone. He's a cop. That's what it is. Right. That's 100%. No, I, I, as soon as he did that, and I was like, that is the same. When we watched Poseidon Adventure and we were like, uh-huh. never follow the purser. No, like, never follow the purser. <laughs> never follow someone who is of the boat. He's the police of the boat. He said that he was the concierge or the, the general manager of the boat hotel or whatever. But yeah. fuck that, you're right. He was the cop of the boat and he led a <laughs> bunch of people in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Same thing. I will always every time trust the like shaggy haired teenager who steps up <laughs> right in any disaster situation i would I absolutely put our future in the hands of tiktok teens right now over yeah. the federal government like oh, t- no question 10 if out of TikTok 10 times said to me at <sighs> nine o'clock p.m we all have to jump at the same exact time to set the earth on its proper rotation yeah I'd do it. Like, yeah that sounds like science. i've been here jumping oh, yeah. up and down looking like a <laughs> fool but i believe in them though yeah they, they <laughs> Now, one of my favorite things about um, a a very specific, hyper-specific kind of disaster scenario is the travel great distances over land that is now travelable. Like, oh, yeah. In this, we have, because, like, Dennis Quaid's got to go save his kid. And I was reading the Wikipedia summary about this to, like, see if there were any details in there. It says, like, when they fall through the mall, the incredible scene where they fall through the mall. Love that. It says that happens in Pennsylvania. Yeah. So this is... They're they're traversing so many hundreds of miles to right. get to Manhattan. Mm. In snowshoes. It's like in snowshoes. it's like in Wandering Earth yeah. when they like are drive from like Beijing down to Jakarta, it seems like in half a day. Like <laughs> I you've got to have the swagger and rugged weather ability of Dennis Quaid in this movie to make that trek in a timely fashion in snowshoes, pulling equipment. So one day, one Sunday, me and my girl, it wasn't one Sunday. We didn't just come up with it. But <laughs> at one point, we decided we live in downtown Los Angeles. Okay. We decided we were going to walk to Santa Monica. Oh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, so you've got two different responses here because Jordan does walking like that all the time. And right. I am a native here. So I'm just like, no, everywhere is driving. Yeah. So keep going. Sorry. That's, that's about, that's a little more than 18 miles, isn't it? Or is about that like a miles. solid 20? Okay. About, about 20 miles, right? Woo! So, so we, and by the way, like the bottom of, we live in the bottom, we live in the arts district. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so, uh, so yeah, we got to go, we got to traverse. We're not like LA Live. We got to go all the way through downtown and all. And so this was a good idea until we got to about Fox Studios okay. on Pico. You gotta and go up a hill. That's about six miles left in the journey, I think. And at that point, you're like, yo, <laughs> fuck this. <laughs> like, you're like, like, like your feet hurt. That's your, 
like like you're you're like you're walking and like it's been a long, long time and it's so wild to watch to, it's so wild to watch the topography of LA change and your yeah. different neighborhoods and all of that stuff like that. But you could start getting to like four or five miles left and, and like it's like yo, it's mental now. But now, like, like now, it's not about like now. Your body is saying, "Yo, man, yo, quit walking." <laughs> and it's mental. So anytime I watch a movie like this, I think to myself, "Do you know how much he must love Jake Gyllenhaal?" Because because yes. my dad would have been like, "Hey, y'all got blankets over there?" Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, son. I'm gonna call him a chick. Yeah, exactly. Like he, but he walked. I, I think about. You know that journey in those kind of it's hard walking can be hard and so <laughs> and especially after you just watch your man fall through the the, the, the mall and die like and now psychologically you messed up and stuff like that so <laughs> and, it was and a, he does to do those last hundreds of miles alone 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 friend yeah yeah, Just with him and his thoughts in the middle of the end of the world, not even knowing if his son is still alive. It's yeah. still there. And the son then is also relying on his father to get there <laughs> yeah. so that he can then survive, man. I'm telling you, stakes are high. Journeys are being undertaken during this film. <laughs> Quests, really. Quests. Quests, yes. <laughs> did you make it to Santa Monica? Yeah, we did. Um, we like made it to Santa Monica, saw the water. The plan was to have like a Santa Monica day. Oh. By the time we saw the water, the Uber <laughs> was already waiting. <laughs> I, I was like, I'm going back home. By the way, fucked me up for a couple of days. Yeah. My feet were hurting. Yeah. My back was hurting. Like it, it was, it was an amazing workout. But for yeah. a couple of days, like I don't know. By the time I got there, my hands were swollen. Oh yeah, because oh, yeah. all the blood hands like, your, your hands and your, your fingers and toes become little you gotta sausages. Get, you got oh, walking sticks. Is that is that why the people have the walking sticks? Seriously, yeah. So I did a um I I so the, the hard part of doing 20 miles is you're doing 20 miles on cement and that sucks. That will screw up every joint in your body. Right. <laughs> I did a 90, I think it was like 96 miles, maybe a little longer, in Scotland, and it was all like trails, but it's you stay in like hotels every night. I did not do anything that rem in even remotely was like Physically taxing. Yeah, and not the old Witherspoon movie based no, on. I did this because I watched. I, I read Wild, and then Wild. I was like, Yeah, Wild. I was like, I want to do this, but I'll die if I try the Pacific <laughs> Crest Trail. Mm -hmm. So let me find the the most like safe way to do this. And so I did this walking trail, and after about two hours, I was like, Oh my God, what's happening to my fingers? And then I realized that there was a reason I had bought those walking sticks. And yeah, they keep your arms about your ninety arms degrees, mm -hmm. and it helps keep the blood from pooling. It will not change the fact that by the time you're done, you're just like, my toes don't live, don't love wow. me. Yeah, you I look like to, such a dork. That, I used to look at those people oh, that, yeah. that had the walking yeah. sticks. I'm like, what the fuck? You think you're in Anchorage or something like that? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> but like, I, I didn't know that there was so actually bad. a function to it. I There's a function. This is an it looks, you look so dumb. Every photo of me on that. But it gives you the other thing that's great. It gives you something to do with your hands for photos. So you're not like, I'm going to stand here like this. You're like, I look like a trekker. I look like I have a purpose in life. <laughs> because otherwise, you're the same thing as the rolly backpack in high school. Oh, God. Where, like, you, there, there was, a, that was the pinnacle of dorkiness, but those kids weren't carrying their bags. So. Yeah. Shout out to Bradley Hamner. <laughs> like, the, the smartest kid I know, like, builds robots for the government now. <laughs> Bradley, like, I'm, I'm not even joking. Like, like we were in the uh, in the gifted program, and there was we always had it was a bunch of smart kids, and then always one or two 
damn, you're smart kids, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And Bradley was the first person I saw wheeling his shit around. Yeah. But he had, he had a ton of books in there wheeling this shit around. Yep. Now no, they are. They, trekking poles are definitely the wheelie backpacks of, like, <laughs> of hiking. Well, they must have. They, they have trekking poles, surely, in Day After Tomorrow, don't they? Like, I'm they blaming on it now. He, he, yeah. he definitely has it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. have, they have their poles. poles because he's got to have those also for balance yeah. and security. Yeah, they, 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 they need the assistance. Yeah, no, and 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 there is a moment when you're walking with them and you're not around anybody and you're like, no one. I don't have to think about whether or not I look like a huge fucking nerd. And you're like, this is it. This is my Everest. <laughs> it's, you're in the middle of nowhere. All there are are sheep. The only people who are judging you are like two cows. Right. It's you're like this is this is it. I have gone fully like back to nature. I'm gonna pee on a rock. It's gonna be the best. Um, and then you and then you go to a, a, a pub for the night and you eat fish and chips and you're like, oh right, I am a pampered spoiled baby. <laughs> I'm a baby. I, I really that was that was the conclusion I came to on that trip was I I'm basically like a soft little baby. Um, anyway, so I guess the movie. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I got like. Roland Emmerich, is there anybody who does running away from a natural disaster better than Roland Emmerich in the world? Is there anybody who has ever, I mean, you get it's out running the waves, you get out running the air. Yeah. You out run air in this movie. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. That is a like, ridiculous it's moment. Normal. It's perfect. Maybe, maybe, maybe the height of cinema running away from something that isn't Godzilla is running away from the explosion in Independence Day. Right. That's a good one. Like There's also that, John Cusack running out driving earthquake waves in that movie. And I feel, I feel like it, he made I feel like each of those scenes mm -hmm. he made with a conscious thought to 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 outdo the scene before. Absolutely. I, I, I feel like he's sitting down going, you know what? People got on me about her <laughs> jumping out of the way of the fire in Independence Day. Right, let right. Me, let me show these people what I really can fucking do. I'm gonna have them <laughs> run from fucking cold. Yeah. And the cold is going to be like encroaching in on them just as they huddle around a fire and throw fucking books on it to fight the cold. Like, you guys you think you can fuck with me? No, you can't. I'm Roland Emmerich. You can't fuck with me. And by the way, after that yeah, thing happens, disaster movie. now I'm going to have John Cusack. You think I cannot do that? Fucker, hold my beer. I'm Roland Emmerich. We're going to drive away from a massive, massive earthquake. Uh -huh. On some need for speed type shit. I, I really <laughs> do think that in every in, in all those films, I think that was a conscious decision to continuously one up the outrageously, amazingly awesome, completely impossible thing that he yeah. had done in the movie before. Yeah, you are a hundred percent right. <laughs> now we need Roland Emmerich's disaster movie on the moon. Like the only <laughs> way to do it now is to yeah. go fully like to go fully cosmic. Yeah, yeah, taking it out of space. That's what Marvel's doing. Like, take it out there, like, you know what I'm saying? Take it out of space. I want to see it. I love them. I, 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 but I love it. Because when you're in the theater, you're too caught up. It's only on the second or third rewatch that yeah. you go, eh. But when you're in the theater, you go, oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> throw, some, throw some books on the fire. Throw some books on the fire. It's coming. The cold, the dog, the cold coming, bro. You know what I'm saying? You're, yeah, no, as you're watching it, yeah, all you care about, and then you're like, yes, those doors can absolutely keep out cold. All it takes <laughs> is two wooden doors, slam them shut, done, you're safe. They're very prestigious wooden doors. They are very, they're very nice wooden doors, and that's all, <laughs> you don't have to worry about the underneath, like, you don't have to worry about any cracks under the floor, the seal is perfect in the New York library, yeah. it's fine. 
cold can't get in. I, but, then he balances such- the, but then he balances it, though. Yeah. Because after the cold comes in and it goes crazy, you have the scene with the guy. It actually might be before. But, like, it's still balanced because the guy who's trying to protect the Bible. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. The, the, the dude who wants, like, human shit. Like, you guys aren't burning this Bible. I'm going to preserve humanity's intellectual thought and the written word. I'm going to take you from something that's almost alien in how sinister it is and the the, the 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 terrible, evil cold and just bring you back down to the individual human whose life goal is to protect and exalt the written word. And that it still thing. exists even when everything else falls apart. That one thing. Yeah. Yep. You're fighting the battle for the one. You're the one small victory. Yeah, yep. that is that is his Jake Gyllenhaal. The Gutenberg. <laughs> the Gutenberg Bible is that one dude's Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. He's he's Emmy Rossum. <laughs> Emmy Rossum, right? <laughs> she is Bible. also the pinnacle of human achievement, as far as that as far as work. <laughs> yeah. as, as far as Jake Gyllenhaal in this is concerned, that is absolutely true. I yeah. always love. I love a disaster relationship between like very young people like Elijah Wood and Lily Sobieski and Deep Impact because you're like I wonder like how many years it's going to be before they break up like how like is this going to survive college like probably not in the apocalypse like this though with the two the girl to guy ratio in this movie is literally Emmy Rossum to everybody else (laughs) (laughs) well and Seal Award and and, sorry and Seal Award so she doesn't have a she she's got a lot of options here <laughs> like right. the good news is, is that Emmy Rossum's gonna have a harem at the end of this movie, she because will. she will, because like that's the only option there. If she's gonna have, she's gonna be like a little teen queen now because <laughs> she survived. Seventeen other teenage boys survived, and she gets to pick who she wants at that time. That she's yeah. sound like a harem. That sounds fucking terrifying. It, I was about to okay. say she sounds a little bit like a fucked up Smurfette. And I always, I always, I always wonder. And feel really, really concerned for Smurfette. Yeah. It, you, you know what I mean? So it, it, I just wonder how that's going to work out for Amy Rossum at the end, especially knowing what it is that we know yeah. now. So like, I'm like, well, this is a many wives of Immort and Joe situation. <laughs> oh, right. In my head, is. see, as 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 the token straight woman here, yeah. <laughs> in my head, the fan fiction is, what a great setup. Like, <laughs> cool. You're all going to be like my kept men and I will choose amongst you when the reality is it'd be some handmaid's tale shit. And like, <laughs> I'll settle for a man so I have a bigger, stronger protector in this context to claim me as his property that will maybe frighten the other men away and preserve me from terrible violence. Right. There like is, that's, there, that's there is a version of the movie where like seriously they're all breaking off wooden chairs and sharpening them yeah. Yeah. and then she's sitting on some sort of throne yeah, and it's yeah. Hall versus, and they're fighting. You know what I mean? Like, oh there's a God. there's a Khaleesi version. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a Khaleesi version of the movie, which is which is actually pretty intriguing. It's pretty intriguing. Right. What do you think, Jordan? I like baseball for because in my head, they're all fighting for my honor. And they're, they're so <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I love baseball. Think they fight, are. Amongst your, fight amongst yourselves, and I will root for you. Baseball players are like the most surprised. These guys are huge athletes of all the major sports. Because like, obviously, football players are huge. Basketball players are like nine feet tall, and baseball players are like, oh, these uh, they look like baseball players. And you see them in person, you're like, Jesus, Lord, God, the, the mountain, the hands, the, yeah, the they shoulders, got, and the hands. Yeah, yeah. They are, Find yourself a baseball player in the apocalypse, ladies. 
Like, you don't think I have a Rolodex of who I'd go to in the event of an apocalypse. You're like, okay, Yasiel Puig, where are you? I need to find you right the second. <laughs> you don't have to stay loyal to me, but I definitely want to be in whatever house oh, you're in. But guess that's, what, though? That's a call Drogo situation. That's guess a call what? Drogo situation. Well, Yasiel <laughs> speaks Spanish, and now you have to live in Mexico. So, like, it, 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 it all comes together. There you go. And plus, he'll, he, he, he'll he smoke like he, me across the border. Like, exactly. He was like, he could beat the shit out of a boar and, like, bring it back, like, a big brother. Yeah. No, Yasiel Puig would accidentally hurt, like, kill a boar. Just be like, just by trying, be like, oh, what a cute animal. And then he'd be like, oh, no, I crushed it <laughs> with my giant hand. Right. I met him once at a, at a burger joint, and the photo of me sitting next to him, my head is the size of his bicep. Yeah. Like, I look like, a, whenever baseball or basketball players would come into the store that I used to work at, they'd be, like, seven feet tall, and then I'd be next to them, and I'm 5'1", and it would be like, oh, I'm a different species of human. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, hello. Like, this is, I see now why I'm not suited to do most most things in life. Most things in life. <laughs> I get it now. Now, I, I, this, I, is on the, this is on the opposite scale of extremely fortified athletes. But I, one thing I, a thing I love in The Day After Tomorrow that we that is common in the disaster movie is the stoic sect of scientists that gives themselves over to, like, oblivion, which we mm. see in Ian Holmes' character in yeah. this. Like, when they, when they, they can't be, they can't fight against the, the cold anymore. And they just kind of like, well, lads, like, and they go out with like a glass of whiskey. It was like, of course that, that we need that. I, I need the anchor of just like, well, we've done all we can here. It's yeah. a nice, it's dignity. It's dignity in death when so much of this movie is struggle. And you know, you're going to get it as soon as you start hearing about their backgrounds. As soon as you yeah. start hearing about someone having a child, you're like, nope, nope, don't make me love you. I know what's going to happen. Like, yeah. oh, I get to see like, I don't know, I think his name was Simon's adorable little baby for 10 seconds. <laughs> I'm sorry, Simon, you're going to die. And I'm going to feel terrible. No, that's the end of the line. That's like, the end that, of the line. Those are the parts of the movie that like, even in Titanic, you know what part of Titanic really bothers me? The yeah. guys who are... Yeah, the, the musicians, the band. Yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, but everything else I can live with. But the guys who are just like, "Hey, we're fucking dead." Kick <laughs> it up. You know, you, you, you know what I mean? Like that's the part of it that I go, "Fuck, amazing!" Imagine being, "Oh, we're gonna fucking play this bitch until we like die of hypothermia in the Atlantic." You know what I mean? Because yeah. some other douchebag wanted didn't want to put enough light lifeboats on the boat, right? And so I like when I watch that scene, I'm like. It's, I'm gonna get bumped out for real. Because the dude was like, uh, like I would have really liked to see my son grow up. Well, at least he will grow up, you know. And and, I, and yeah. fuck, I guess at least he will grow up. <laughs> Do we know? Like, we don't know for sure that he's going to. Right. Right. They're so, in Spain, but like, unless they're in southern Spain, I don't know. Right. I, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's it's very optimistic. It's, it's tough to watch. I'm like, yo, man, why am I looking at this shit? Fast forward. What's the <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, but yeah, that was, a, well, well, again, showing you that, like, because in disaster movies, in these big films like this, uh, even in Independence Day, right? Yeah. In Independence Day, Vivica Fox's co-worker, right? Oh, yeah. The girl who makes, the, it's a very important for, for people to show you, just the, this is going to sound stupid, but just the individuals who die. Because yeah. you assume that when they blow up all of these things that all of these people die, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you assume that, but just to show that one person made one decision to go and greet the aliens and she got fucking zapped. Yeah. It, 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 it grounds the, 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 the story for you. And that's kind of like watching those dudes 
pass away, it kind of did the same thing. But it's like, that's a sad part. That's legitimately sad. Yeah. yeah. That's a prestige cinema moment. Right. <laughs> that's a prestige drama moment. Right. With some real badass actors, too. With some, yeah. like, some, some, yeah. some badasses in that scene. Like, seriously, all those guys. Now, do we feel like we've come, do we feel like we've come to the point where we want to explore what this movie is really about? Is there anything else that any of us want to yell about, about how much we love this movie? Like, <laughs> yeah, I feel any like- Any other I- big points? I got to say, like, points to this movie for the fact that Dennis Quaid says, with a dead straight face, I, I need access to the mainframe. I love when any time, <laughs> in any movie, when there is a mainframe, when someone needs access to the mainframe, when they're hacking a mainframe, I still don't know what a mainframe is. I don't know. I don't ever want to know. I assume every government has a mainframe. A mainframe. Like, <laughs> it's so true. I don't understand. I don't care. I love it so much. And it's such a, like, an early 2000s phrase that just... <laughs> I love it. I would assume, like, the mainframe, is, I assume, looks like the, the the interface from Jurassic Park. That's just I my... I to watch the movie The Net just to hear how many times Sandra Bullock says mainframe in it, because it must be many. Right, that, yeah, many that's the only line she had to memorize. Yeah, we love the mainframe in the, in the 90s and early 2000s. <laughs> Well, it's, it's, mainframe. it's almost like they don't have mainframes anymore because I haven't heard that in a movie in so long. No, right. no. no. Now we have the cloud. I need right, to get I need cloud. to get I need to get on our shared data network. Like that's not as exciting. Right. No. 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 I'm just gonna start. I'm gonna call my Wi-Fi the mainframe now. That's my. I'm gonna change it. Change, change the name I'm, of your router I'm to the mainframe. My, I'm absolutely doing that just so I can every so often be like, "Oh, do you need to access the mainframe? Here's the password." I'm that, no, the mainframe. People say that you're gonna make people say that. I like, am. Like, that's gonna be like, "Do you? What do you need? I need access to the mainframe." <laughs> Great. Hold on. Oh, if I had a speakeasy, that's 100% <laughs> what people would have to say to get in. Yeah, that's just my new favorite thing. So, <laughs> I, just, I love that so much. It's just... Um, no, so yeah, I, guess, I guess just an uh, extra shout out at the end to the very large-eyed romance between Jake Gyllenhaal and Emmy Rossum. Yeah. All the emotion conveyed in those eyes between those two young, baby-faced actors. Mm-hmm. Cosmic. Incredible. They've been through so much already. Yeah. So much already. Like, what could you possibly fight about after this? It's like, <laughs> like it, it, you mean like what, the, the washing of the dishes? Yeah. The like, they're not gonna be going through each other's text messages. None of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's it, it's like, what could you fight after this? Like, we met like braving the apocalypse together. Yeah. Things should be okay from now on, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you capably saved me from a blood infection. Like, and that's right. Yeah. I will yeah. say though that also they realistically they'll never work because every time they have a fight, <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal's character is going to be like, "I fought wolves for you." Yeah, and you can't actually. There's no. There's nothing you can do to beat. The, she can't be like, "Yeah, well, I also was in the library with you." Like, there's not, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, there's That's nothing. There's nothing that balance. beats that. Which my one point of unbelievability: they don't have wolves at the Central Park Zoo. Really? They do not have wolves at Central Park Zoo, but what they do have is, at the time, they had Gus, the clinically depressed polar bear. (laughs) And they have penguins. Gus was just waiting for oblivion. Do you know how much better that scene would have been? Yeah. If a fucking pissed off polar bear would have been. The wolves already were off the chain. Don't get me wrong. But a polar bear. A polar bear that, like, now has, like, like now he's not depressed anymore because he's looking out. He's like, oh, yo, I'm free, dog. You know what I mean? It's all mine I don't have to be in Manhattan in the summer. I'm a polar bear. This is my environment. Yeah. Yeah. 
Pissed yeah, off took at it humanity. all away from me, and I've gotten mo- all of it and more back. Yeah, right. Gus, <laughs> Gus calls up Muja, the world's oldest alligator, immediately. Yep. <laughs> Muja's been Muja's been in communi- Muja's been in communication with the troposphere and has organized this whole thing. Yeah. Right. There, there's a the world's oldest al- alligator lives in where is it Belarus? It's like it, it's it, Belarus or like Croatia. Oh, yeah. Serbia. 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 You're right. Serbia. Uh, he's like he was 1920 or 1930. Like he lived through World War II. Wait, the alligator was born in 1920. It's like an it's like a 90 year old alligator. Yeah, he it's was, oldest he, alligator in a in the Belgrade Zoo. He uh, it's assumed he hatched before 1936. He survived World War II, during which the zoo was almost completely destroyed, and the NATO bombing of Yugoslavia in 1999. In Jesus. 2012. He yeah. underwent successful surgery to amputate some of his leg after he was diagnosed with gangrene. Otherwise, Muja is healthy. Wow. So we have, to, we have this theory that Muja is basically the mastermind behind pretty much every single bat, like evil animal in any of these movies. Yep. He's what ties them together. So Muja probably would have like would have sent Gus on this mission to kill Jake Gyllenhaal. So they report to Muja. Yeah, theoretically, yeah. yeah. That's like, we, we have to at this point assume. Like world's oldest alligator, why wouldn't that be sort of a mob boss sort of kingpin type? You know what? You know what? You know what the funny thing is? That in and of itself is a fucking fantastic movie. <laughs> like, like seriously, yeah. seriously, that in and of itself, world world's oldest alligator, who runs a syndicate yeah. of rogue animals, yeah. who yeah. are essentially like Harambe works for him. Yeah, Good. yeah, you, you know what yeah. I mean. Like, like all of those. You know what I'm saying. Anytime somebody fucks up at a zoo, which is not funny, but always it's kind of like, what are you doing? Yeah. But like, it, it, you know what I mean. Like, they all work for him. That's a fucking hilarious movie. I want to see that. I want to see that animated series on FX. Like, yeah, <laughs> the, the entire thing. You know, and when he comes around and yeah. he just acts like a normal alligator, but then <laughs> as soon as they're gone. He's fucking on his fucking phone, on his headset like you are, like calling out shit all over the He's like, phone. he's like Professor X. He puts on the helmet. He puts Cerebro. on the helmet. <laughs> Cerebro. And he cerebros into all the world's pissed off animals. Love it. More and more of them all the time. Yeah, because he must have talked to those wolves because the wolves <laughs> yeah. were yeah. super pissed off. <laughs> they were really like those wolves yeah. and the wolves in the gray. The wolves yeah. in the gray. Oh, yeah were that the gray is a horror movie basically but like, we, jason is jason's a longtime advocate producer jason is a longtime advocate for the liam neeson fights wolves movie being on the pod so oh, if yeah, somebody we'll would fight. like to choose it <laughs> yeah i gotta do it you know yeah. you realize at the end of the gray just sidebar at the end of the gray liam neeson says fuck it let's go <laughs> and, like, and, like, and, and like ties the shit to his and, and it's just like and I, I love that movie just because he gets to a point where he's like, I'm not running from you anymore. Right, yeah, yeah. Do your worst. Like what we know of, of disaster movie wolves, that's a pretty bad. That's a uh, the, doing their worst yeah. is a pretty fucking bad order. Yeah. Yeah. And these wolves were these wolves were uh were crazy. But look, Jake Gyllenhaal, intrepid. Yeah. <laughs> intrepid. Like gets first of all. How good for him that there happened to be a ship with the needed antibiotics or whatever yeah. right out there. Like just, you know. The you, US you Ferry a, just washes into the front of the New York Public Library. You need a little luck. And you know what's crazy? When the whole pandemic thing, for because I always would be like, that would never happen. They would never like park a ship. 
And then the whole pandemic thing happened. And then they parked the ship. <laughs> I, I, was, I was like, oh, my God. They actually they parked the ship. So if shit goes crazy and New York goes post-apocalyptic, which was very much on the menu at first, yeah. Yeah. Like people could run to the ship and kind of get the same shit. I was like, it was, I was, it was fucking with my head. There's also if no, even a day after tomorrow scenario. Dwayne so, Reed's in any seven block radius. So if he didn't have the ship, he could have probably found a Dwayne Reed. Like let's. <laughs> <laughs> like if you've ever been to New York, you know that there's a CVS every half a block. You'll, yes. There really are so there, many, a so of, many drugstores. Yeah, but the ship was convenient. That was like some door to door service right there. Absolutely, I got her back. Saved her life. They yeah. all had <laughs> enough knowledge together. Yeah. They had enough knowledge together. And I'll say this last thing about the library. Fortuitous, fortuitous that those people followed the cop out. Yeah. Because they yeah. wouldn't have had enough shit to go around it's and good. there would have been too many people and that like it was better chances of survival. This is how my older brain works. Better chances of survival if you thin the herd a little bit. No, it was natural selection. Yeah, it, it definitely was natural was. selection. Yeah. For sure. And naturally the cop was selected out. Yeah. Right. It was his fucking fault. <laughs> <laughs> gonna he's gonna walk. Okay, sure, dude. So so do we do we feel comfortable now going into what was this movie really about? I think we can. I, I've got nothing else. Amanda, would you like to kick it off? Um, you know, I I went back and forth. Primey's like it's quite literally just about the fact that we're fucking up this planet. Right. But right. I do also kind of feel like a little bit of it was like Roland Emmerich being like, oh, okay, smart people, you think you're too good for disasters? Yep. I actually mm. kind of think a little bit of this movie is like a little bit and and I a little anti intellectualism. Whether okay. it's the scientists being wrong with their estimations, even Dennis Quaid being wrong by hundreds to thousands of years. Yep. You've got the nerds who all suddenly realize that, like, all the stuff we know is useless. Shoot, like, yeah. Awesome even says, like, all the things I thought mattered that I was planning my life for, which I was like, well, just slow down, little girl. You're 17. Like, <laughs> <laughs> how many plans did you yeah, have? Like, you didn't exactly, like, I've been planning my whole life. Like, mm, well... I mean, I've been planning my whole life at this point. The apocalypse has changed that. But it's a slightly different time frame here. But yeah, I I, I was like a little bit kind of like, wait. And even the guy, like the guy who holds on to the Gutenberg Bible is a little bit of almost a joke in that he's like such a, he's so afraid of getting rid of Nietzsche and the yeah, Gutenberg Bible. Like, yeah, what do these things matter? The homeless guy who's a great character, but also I was like, this feels like you're making a lot of fun of, like, it's weird that he's the comic relief on this. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, this is the only guy who's actually suited to survive any of this. He's the one who's like, we can eat out of trash cans. It's food. Yeah. He's not wrong in, in the apocalypse, eat out of a trash can. There's no dignity in this guys. Right. right. But, but even he was like presented as a fairly intellectual character and it's kind of like his dog is named Buddha and he's kind of a joke. So I thought it was a weird, there is a little, to me, a little bit of subtext of the like 2004, anti-intellectual what do scientists know when it comes down to it we have to go back to our instincts thing which i was like i'm not sure it's one of those rare times where the message is not necessarily something i agree with but it still was a great movie so i don't care Mm. fascinating yeah that's me i like Mm. that i like that Mm. van how about you i think this movie is about dickhead momentum and i'll tell you what dickhead momentum is okay okay i want to (laughs) know so my father coined this term, or at least he coined it for me. I don't know where it comes from, but dickhead momentum is the moment that you realize that you're wrong, but Uh you're too deep into the argument to change course. Oh, wow. That's very, okay, good. Yeah. So anything after that is dickhead momentum. Wow. And we've we've all been there, but it 
afflicts my species mm. much more than it does you guys. Our side, our gender uh-huh. is much more. We're we're actually predisposed to it, uh-huh. and then socialization reaffirms it. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, we all seen it. You don't want to ask for directions and all of that stuff like that. Yep, yep. There are multiple people in this that seem to, at some point, realize that they're doing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. But hubris won't let them change course and do what is necessary for them to save their own lives or for it to be better. Like, the the only person, and really, the only person who realizes that he's fucked up is the vice president and by the time he gets on board, millions, maybe billions of people are dead. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. Now, there's not necessarily something that they could have done in the interim to change what was going on because obviously it was already upon them, right? Dennis right, right. Wrong. But had they been more sort of uh, open um, or willing to listen to him, perhaps they could have mitigated the amount of damage that was done through this entire cataclysm. Yep, but yep. most of the people in here who have authority are dickheads. And yes. they are suffering from dickhead momentum. Yep. And dickhead momentum, if we don't course correct, will end civilization. Uh-huh, uh-huh, and, uh-huh. And, that, and that is a 100% fact. So that's what I took. And it's in the scope of everything else we're watching, I was like, they're doing it. They're, look, they're doing it. So that's, like, like, that, that's, what the, that's what I took away from the movie. That is, sure. I really love both of those answers so much. And I, you know, I'm going to go with, you know, there's obviously the app, there, there's the aspects of like, you know, the problems of neoliberalism and capitalism and how they uh, created a context in which we ravaged the world beyond repair and then paid the price for it. But I'm going to like, I'm going to enhance this with, I think there's a message we need to take from this about uh, urban planning. And <laughs> in our in our you know future within disaster and surely moving toward more disaster as climate-related catastrophe affects so many more parts of the world than our own and causes climate refugee crises and shortage of resources and all of those things, we need to fortify our major cities. Like you said, that cop was completely out of his depth in leading those people out of out of the 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 out into the the frozen landscape in front of them. Cities need to start preparing a lot more to house massive amounts of people from cataclysmic events so that in the event they occur, people have places to go that are not the shell of a fucking library and burning books to stay warm. I I would like to see uh basically urban urban panic rooms established for as many people as possible. To, to take shelter in the inevitable event at this point, in that two minutes to midnight situation, where just being like, all right, the goal now, we've gone past mitigation, we've gone past solutions, the goal now is survival. More places need to be created for people to survive in population centers, uh, to just ride it the hell out as right. long as that is possible. I agree. Yep. So that's Probably what I'm some, some places that have central heat. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yep. we don't have to burn the Gutenberg Bible. Yep, yep, that that would be ideal, yeah. We need to <laughs> we need to take a cue from the wandering earth and before we have to attach rockets to the planet and propel us to fucking Jupiter, we need to build the subterranean cities in that movie as backup plans. Or yep. or I want to get you guys opinion on this. What about 
a train that never stops moving. Yeah. <laughs> what about that one? Hold on. And like, Hold what about on. a train that never stops moving? I remember being in that movie thinking, God damn, I really will go for anything. <laughs> <laughs> and, but not, and, and, and that's not saying that it wasn't a good movie because it was. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, you should just fucking, yeah, I'll just sure. sign me up. Like, I'll go, yeah. I'll go for anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And Elon Musk looked at that and was like, I could do a better. And it was like, how about you fucking do one other thing first? <laughs> <laughs> Give me solve traffic in L.A. like you said you would. Right. Uh, Give us the Hyperloop. Yeah. Hyperloop. If you want to go, if you want to go in one direction, it'll be great to Dodger Stadium. <laughs> 600 cars in one direction to Dodger Stadium. Totally fine. <laughs> totally fine. This is going to work well. Yeah. I, uh, you know, just off of the realism of it, like, the flooding of New York, that was a thing that that happened in, with Hurricane Sandy oh, 10 years, 10 years later. Yeah. And New York still has no discernible plan because the subways still get flooded all the time. They have no plan in place. They have no they plan. They have no plan in place. So, Jordan, you're absolutely right. They have no plan in place for what happens when Manhattan gets hit with another hurricane. Keep America World Police. We have no intelligence. Right. And, and by the way, not to bring it down, but here's the interesting thing about this movie. This movie came out in 2004. Yeah. I- I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I was going to say, yeah, there's also. Right. And yeah. so literally. Yeah. Literally the next summer. Mm-hmm. The next summer, a superstorm came, like blew through. And I was there, lived through it. A yeah. superstorm blew, like all of this shit that's happening right now. Mm-hmm. I've been here before. Right, right, yeah. right. Like I've been to, like, I remember having a conversation with my dad. It's like, well, what do we do? Like, we go to Walmart and there was no food. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. well, what do you do if you go to Walmart and there's no food? Like, what then? What then? Like, like what? Like, what? Like, what? I was like, what happens then? You go to the gas station, there's no gas. Like, not mm-hmm. like, n- like now, what do we do? Like, mm-hmm. all these curfews and all that stuff. And I remember watching, uh, you know, uh, environmentalists and people talk about the fact that Katrina had stopped in the Gulf. Mm-hmm. And the water there, and obviously the Gulf and the, the the water in the Gulf is going to be warm, especially in August, right? Right. So right. It, it, it's going to be warm. It's a it's a it's a the Gulf is warm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But that the water in the Gulf was so warm and had been warming that mm-hmm. she essentially took steroids before she made landfall. Okay. And yeah. And just yeah. swirled there, and the warm water just made the storm mm-hmm. into some. Armageddon, Hercules yeah. type of weather event, and slammed us and took the levees out. And so, like, I was talking to one of my one of my boys that I had seen this movie with, and he was like, "Dog, that shit happened." And it was it was it was like seriously, we had mm-hmm. this conversation. My boy Ryan, and I'm like my oldest friend, is like, "Dog, that shit happened." Mm-hmm. Like, that, yeah. especially in New Orleans, I'm like, "That shit actually happened, bro," and because it was people holed up in places. With not the cold coming at them, but water coming at them. Yep, there yep. was also pernicious wildlife that okay. was in the water. Gators, snakes, all of that stuff. Shit. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Every, all of that stuff, it basically happened. So, uh, yeah. So when you see the movie, not, it's not like it can't happen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In 100%. Yeah. No, th- we have no excuse right. for not having the playbook written out. Yeah. Right. We have no excuse. It's not, yeah, we haven't had every possible natural disaster occur at one time, but we've seen enough to know exactly 
what to plan for and what happens at a sociological anthropological level when a crisis in in a compartmentalized version of this occurs and then we just only are reactive and never proactive yeah. it's not that fucking hard to figure out yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean if you have levies Shouldn't you have a plan for if they break? Yeah. I mean, obviously you have the levy to keep the water out, but if the levy breaches, yeah, there should be a contingency plan. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, yeah. and so and so, you know, they didn't have one, and Americans died. But but yeah. but, but, but 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 like I'm saying, but you know, but once again, once again, though, it's like even at that particular point, talking to leadership mm-hmm, that yeah. you are trying to tell how bad this is how terrible things are and it falling on deaf ears yeah. so the whole deal so it, it, it hit home for me for that reason but that was later on yeah yeah no it, it's um just from everything i know about like emergency management my like my basic understanding is essentially all the real problems all the really cataclysmic stuff where they're like we have to plan for this of levees breaking or like a massive any number of things it's sort of like that one closet you have where you shove all the things you don't want to deal with and you're like that's where like all of <laughs> yeah, my stuff is going to go yeah the chaos drawer that's essentially in a lot of ways what like our failing infrastructure our failing infrastructure is yeah. like mm, that's a chaos drawer issue and yeah, so it gets stuffed in there pandemic, the pandemic opened the chaos drawer all the way up Word. yeah like Word. so that's so that's that's they don't. They didn't have a plan for levies. That's okay. They knew that everything that that system was old and didn't. The pumps were needed to be replaced and all those things. Yeah, it wasn't but, people they wanted to help. Well, yeah, it was a chaos. Another part, like, part of gigantic yeah. <laughs> part of yeah. Gigantic No, yep. don't do it. Listen, let's move on. Don't fucking get me started. <laughs> like, 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 <laughs> we can we can take this as our pivot to fantasy casting. All right, right. all right. Any because I I don't know that I can move any of the pieces on this board, but I want to hear if you guys if you guys feel compelled. I'm gonna think about mine a little bit more. All right. I, I mean, I actually did. I did it because I've, I've been so bad over the last few weeks of remembering to do this. I was like, I'm gonna sit here and do this. I'm gonna force okay. myself to okay. do casting. Okay. So um, I am going to gender swap this one. Okay. Because uh, I want to, I feel like, you know, we're in, we're making this in 2020, the women in STEM now. So <laughs> is going to be our Jack Hall. Okay. Because she can be weathered and she'll look great in that parka. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like that's, does she look good in the parka with the fur around her face, um, tossing ice cores across a chasm? That is a good that's, qualification. That's it. That's all I wanted. Kiernan Shipka becomes her daughter, Sam Hall. Okay, okay. Um, we've got, uh, the, the Emmy Rossum character I changed to, uh, Trevor Jackson from Blackish cause Ooh. he's just really, yeah. Cause he needs to be like, mm. he's in my, he's in my movie. Oh, okay. Great. great. Wow, wow. Keep going. That's okay. <laughs> Cause yeah, I was like, I need someone that I need someone that Kiernan Shipka would like fully fight wolves for. And it, that's a good option. <laughs> um, so for Brian Parks, who's the other nerd, who was played by the guy who was from Secret World of Alex Strange, Alan oh, Strange. Yeah. Which I feel like he was so underused in that because he's so good at saying nerd stuff. Right. Um, but the girl from Never Have I Ever, who plays Debbie. Ooh, I, I love that show. I love that. And I think she's so I great. And I that. like her being a little younger looking than the other two so mm-hmm. that she does become that kind of third tag along. And then the only other person who I bothered to cast was um, to replace Ian Holm, Mandy Patinkin. Oh, wow. good one. 
Keep him surrounded by Scots. Yeah, he's good just, one. Like, keep him. He's he's still American. He's still Mandy Patinkin. He can just be Mandy Patinkin. <laughs> he can be Mandy Patinkin. He doesn't have to actually be a scientist. He could no. just be Mandy Patinkin. It could be Mandy Patinkin and his wife and the scientists. Yeah, I don't care. Like they could just be housing them or visiting. I don't care what. But <laughs> visiting. I would. I'm. If you if you need someone to replace Ian Holm in this case with that same kind of warmth and cre- um, credibility, uh-huh. you got to go Mandy Patinkin. Uh huh. So that's how I seal awards character. She's great, but she doesn't do a whole lot in this movie except for be like the ex-wife. So (laughs) I didn't really feel a need to replace her. Um, I don't know who the, and everybody else is kind of interchangeable. You'd have to really rework the, the homeless guy character because he's a great concept in the sense of like, he is a survival Uh character, uh but it was every time he came on screen, I was like, this makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) He's a punchline and I don't really like, Dude gets kicked out of every single place he tries to walk into. Right, right, like, yeah. And, and, and it's never said in, like, a way that's question. Like, this is questionable behavior. It's like that silly man trying to bring a dog into a library. Right, <laughs> so, right. <laughs> so we'd really have to re- rethink that. Um, so that's my fantasy casting, though. Okay, okay. There you go. How about you, man? Got three letters for you guys. A, B, C, which means all black cast. All right, awesome. great. Okay, so Dennis, Dennis Quaid? Mm-hmm. Swapping him out, we're bringing in Idris Elba. Oh, but always. In this situation, we're, we're leaving Idris Elba mm-hmm. as English Idris Elba. Oh, good, good. Right? We're not we're like we're we're not going American Idris Elba. Okay, we're going good. English Idris Elba because I think that the the American guy trying to save the world mm-hmm. from I think that's played. I don't think they that the world thinks of as that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I think it's gonna be English guy. Yeah, he is married to. I, I always uh, get her name wrong, but I just love her. Uh, Google Mbatha Raw. Google Mbatha oh, Raw. Yes. yes. Oh Mbatha. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. By the way, put her anywhere and she will thrive in any role. Right. Any role. So I'm gonna expand the Seal Award role. Okay. 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 I'm gonna change it a little bit, but that's who she's gonna be. I mm-hmm. love her. By the way, Great. really. Really, no reason to cast her in such an inconsequential role. Right. I'm doing it, yeah. but just to so have I can. Around. Yes. Right. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's. Uh, it's so funny that you had Trevor. Jake Gyllenhaal's character is Trevor. Perfect. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, Trevor's best friend in the industry is Zendaya, so mm-hmm. she is Emmy Rossum's character. Oh, what a pair! Yeah. Oh, god. Right. Going put, back and forth. Put me in that library. I'm ready now, to see it. The that, that's the heat. That's the thing. Yeah, is that you, that's you good. keep off that chemistry yeah so now now i'm gonna change it up a little bit because i have to make i have to change the characters i have to make trevor the most popular guy in school okay he's an underachiever sure okay so he so he's afraid zendaya is uh very brainy yeah he's afraid to show her how brainy he really is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and through this cataclysm he shows her how brainy he is okay um so I have the uh, the vice president, asshole character, still black though. Clark Peters. Do you guys know Clark Peters? Yes, yes, yes. From The Did Wire. We, yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. He played Lester Freeman in The Wire. Oh yeah. God, him, yeah. I'm gonna give him his shot at at, at being a villain. Um, and the other character, the only other character I thought of casting was the guy who's holding on to the um the uh. The, the Bible. The Bible. I'm gonna go with Giancarlo Esposito for him. Oh yeah, that's a good. Oh, he's, yeah, that's I a like good one. That. 
Yeah. yeah just because because he can be, he can give you sinister. I want to hear his also, voice saying yeah, those lines. He yeah, can also give you dignified to where he gives you that, and then after that, whatever. But we're going. Listen, like we're going. Uh, I I started to do it with the whole cast of Friday, but I didn't want to. But like <laughs> like, like we're going all black cast day after yeah. tomorrow. Cause you know what, man, I want to see a movie. I might write one myself. I, 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 I want yeah. I want to see a movie where we we get a chance to survive and save the world and stuff like yes. that. Yes, yeah, yes. I mean, we, it's, it's our turn. I'm producing now. I'm producing now. Let me know however I can help you and facilitate <laughs> this for you. Right. I I am here to burn the musty, shitty old doors down uh, from the let's Hollywood gate. So let's, I want to see it. I just love the idea of like that if you're going to expand the, the wife role, that it, she goes along. And so now you've That's got the two of them, you. the two of them, and it becomes that twister vibe of the I two of them that. bickering and solving their marriage yeah. while snowshoeing across the northeastern states. <laughs> so it <laughs> right. And then the, the the other guy still, oh, or maybe we reworked we reworked the scene <laughs> where one of them falls through. Yeah. And it's almost like a trust oh, fall. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, no matter what, I'm not cutting this. Yeah. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. You don't cut this. Don't you leave me. And then maybe yeah, they both yeah. fall or he pulls her up. Or maybe she, you know what? She pulls him up. And the rope is their marriage. <laughs> yes. The rope is their marriage. She pulls him up. <laughs> yes. The rope is their marriage. God. And, and, and when she cuts, and when she cuts that rope at the bottom for the of the sled, that's all the baggage they've been carrying from their marriage in the past. Right. Symbolic. Sorry, this is now me just completely in my head doing the what's this movie really about for your movie that hasn't been made yet. This no, I love I love that rework because I think that's a great idea. Just to like that alone, and then also, yeah, you're right. There isn't a movie that has a black cast uh, like that does. A disaster, a big tentpole disaster. Oh no, we do not have our we do not have our all black cast disaster epic. I mean, that's, there's reasons for that though. That, that's because there's a chance that we might just be like, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, well, <laughs> it's a in chance. Which case, in which case, I would like to see that different perspective on the campaign. <laughs> right. I'll be like, all right, now the goal is survival, and here's right. our choice, and here's what we do. Right. You know here's what I'm our. Here's how we handle this with dignity in our way. We do. I mean, you know, we're we're prob we're a problem solving people, and I would like to see us get the opportunity yeah. to solve a major world. Although we did get Captain Hillard from Independence Day. That is he, true. He was he was on point right there. Which you know, love that. Sad, sad that Will didn't come back for the sequel because I really didn't want to watch it without him. There's <laughs> no reason to watch any Independence Day sequel if it's not going to involve Will Smith punching right. an alien. Like why? Sure. If Will Smith doesn't punch an alien, just the, an alien I watched. I, I watched this on DVD because I was like, I have to watch this. Like, why wouldn't you watch this on DVD? It's such <laughs> a great time capsule. And they uh -huh. have in the beginning beforehand. I don't know if you remember how on DVDs mm. they would show you that supercut of upcoming features from this like other DVD. You can <laughs> yeah, love that, that. Feel, man. The so great. Movie. It was such a good little time capsule, and it was. Man on Fire with Denzel Washington and Dakota, baby Dakota Fanning. Oh, which literal, if you had, literal baby. I, I had no idea what the plot of that movie was. And then I watched, I was, I was like, I didn't know that that's what Man on Fire was about. Cool. I, <laughs> great. Now I know I feel like I've seen it. I, Robot. So you get Will Smith. Yeah. Will Smith arguing with a robot. And Rules. then Alien versus Predator. Oh, wow. That was, the, that was the trifecta. But I was like, as I was watching, I was watching Will Smith argue with a robot. And I was like, this is 
only he can do this. Only right. he can save the world in these very specific ways. And it, like, but the more leave, important thing such is, a skill. We went to see that shit. Yeah. Like we, I like, I like, it was like, Will, oh shit, we there, dog. Yeah. Like, like, how many, like, how many, like, we're, we're there is, bro, before you go, is Will and a robot sidekick. I don't give a fuck who it is. And we there, you know what I mean? And that's, and that's, that, that lets you know that the shine is somewhat, or the bloom is somewhat off of the rose. Because mm-hmm. had Bright come out, had, Br- had Bright come out in yeah, 2004, right. yeah. Yeah. Bright would have made $600 million. Yeah, with Will and an orc. Yeah, it's oh god, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Like, I could, my homies would be like, "Yo, dog, I promise you, bro, this shit is crazy, dog. It's Will and one of the dudes from Lord of the Rings <laughs> ride around." You know what I'm saying? Like it would, yeah. it would, it would, it would have been insane. Yeah, you're right. No, that that would have opened a hundred percent. Right, still did well though. Tragically well. <laughs> the most, the most shit I've ever gotten for anything I've ever written was a post that was just 20 outstanding questions that the Bright sequel needs to answer. And it was just me shredding Bright for 20 questions on Vulture. You got so much shit for that. People found me on Instagram via, like, when I blocked them on Twitter, they found me on Instagram to comment on, like, cityscape photos of Los Angeles to tell me I didn't understand sci-fi fantasy. It's mm-hmm. those stupid Max Landis fanboys. I was about to say, every I don't, single it, person... That was just Max Landis. I was <laughs> every single person was Max himself. Yeah. Every, yeah. every single yeah. person was Max himself. Yeah. Every single one of them. Fuck that guy. That's, that's a very good point. Yeah. <laughs> I... I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna like I, I don't have it very cohesive. I just have isolated people that I would like to see in these roles, and I'll like f- would figure out later how they would like uh, interconnect to one another. But I just really want I really want to see Dev Patel as Dennis Quaid. Oh, that works. I really want to. I the the hair and the, the great hair, the facial hair, and there's just such a there's such a gravitas about him. I really want to see him with the snowy hood around him. Yeah. My mother I, calls him a lovely man. He seems like a lovely man. And yeah. God, just so handsome. And beauty bias, again, I'd put we'd put that mask on. I sure hope. Right. Uh, many of us for Dev Patel. Um, and I want the kids in the library. I really like I guess their their Netflix YA pairing just really worked for me because I want the the Jake Gyllenhaal, Emmy Rossum to be Justice Smith and Elle Fanning. Mm. Okay, yeah. I just want to see those two little angels uh, <laughs> find their way into each other's arms. I would want to make that I would want there to be a an actual British monarchy figure. Like I would want I would be more of an on-screen demise coming from Balmoral. And so the only living members of the royal family to succeed the line would be Meghan Markle in the role of princess. Yeah. And suddenly she's the queen of England that doesn't <laughs> wow. anymore. Yeah. And we can fuck just cast her and Prince Harry too in like playing themselves cameo roles. Like they're living in LA now. So like yeah. they've signed with like CAA or something. Right. So Meghan Markle is the heiress to the throne of England and the rest are gone. And uh, suddenly, you know, it's her, 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 her kingdom, her rules, and um, she fucking puts everybody in Tower of London. 
Like, like, everybody that fucked over. Oh, I'm the queen now? (laughs) Round them up. (laughs) The entirety of the British tabloid system is like, oh, hey, guys, guess what we're bringing back? Right. Yeah, it would be the the epilogue where we, like, see, like, the Americans in Mexico settling in. Like, we would see Megan making strategic calls about vanquishing her her family enemies and rivals. Oh, that one really really horrible old woman. Was it Katie Hoskins or whatever? Yeah. Her head on a pike. Right. Yeah, the, her head on a pike at the Rio Grande. I, I'm not saying that's the thing I wanted to see in real life. It would be in a movie. I want to make that very clear. Yeah, in a movie, a character yeah, akin to her. And and I I want uh, I want instead of Ian Holm, uh, Elizabeth Debicki mm. being all of her six foot three majesty <laughs> around a bunch of just like hobbit sized Scottish scientists. <laughs> I God, I would love to see it. So those were those were the main ones I was interested in. Okay. Nice. Nice. And so now we then arrive at the towering inferno assessment. How many towering infernos does the day after tomorrow receive? Do you want to start us off, Van, with your with your choice on the day? It's out of five. Just I don't think we covered. It's yeah, out of five. It's out of five. Um, I give four. Okay. Four. Uh. I, I, it, it can't be. I'm trying to think of what the quintessential, because I think whenever I think of out of five, I think of the way the source used to rate classic hip hop albums. And it was like, if you got five mics, then it was like crazy. Right. I right, wouldn't put yeah. this in like that, but it hit every spot, right? Mm-hmm. If you if you walk into the movies, I guess it'd have to be a more serious and like, uh, I guess maybe Contagion, if Contagion's a disaster movie, maybe okay, Contagion's yeah. five. You know what I mean? Like okay, a yeah, serious yeah. one. I'm. Hey, I'm Matt Damon, and I'm in the you know whatever. Yeah. Uh, but but no, I I give it four. I give All it. Right. I give, I'll give it. I give it four. I put it in the 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 China Syndrome Hall of Fame for me. All right. All right. All right. Mm-hmm. All right, Amanda, what do you think? Um, you know what? I was I, I was going back and forth between like four and four and a quarter. Like I think I might just bump it up to four and a quarter. It's so good. It's got so many of those those moments that are just so quintessentially a disaster movie and so iconic. I mean. Just the image. I, I have a movie poster of of Day After Tomorrow in my apartment. <laughs> like from from 2004, it's like a little holographic thing that goes from New York being covered in water to Whoa. if you move to the side, the frozen ah. statue of liberty covered in ice. Yeah, yeah. it's just like and those are iconic images now. Yeah. I mean that. So it you can't I can't. It, but there's the like the. Just about two thirds of the way through the movie, it really starts to sag for a little bit. A little bit, a little okay. bit. There's a little bit where they just like they've blown their budget on all the disasters, and then you're just kind of like, well, now we're just hanging out. Right. <laughs> and so if there were just if it were a little bit tighter through there, it would bump it up to volcano level five for me because volcano is my five. Yeah, like, that's that's kind of our volcanoes are five. Yeah. Uh, and and so we kind of compare everything to that, and that's that's for me. It's yeah, it's like. Four and a quarter. I just a little bit above a four. It's really close, but if someone says like I'm not going to watch it, but I believe I, I love all disaster movies, but I'm never going to see it, I would like punch them in the taint, sort of thing. But no, <laughs> right? Yeah, I I'm gonna I'm gonna go four and I'm gonna go four and a half. It's not okay. it's not perfect. It's not perfect. There's certainly room uh room for improvements, but. I cannot deny the impact of the spectacle when I first saw it, and the the truly the, the emblazoned in my mind, like the fall through the top of the mall, yeah. the mm-hmm. icing over of the city, the tsunami, like that. Those things are just so crucial as images. 
I I gotta I gotta give it a four and a half to to Roland Emmerich for really cementing. Even if the core was a pioneer in its way, I the, know it's this is truly the spect the pure spectacle disaster movie was really taken to a new threshold with this one. So I'm gonna go four and a half. Towering, mm. yeah, oh, that's fantastic. I, what a fulfilling experience! <laughs> I'm so glad. Thank you, you so that. much for coming on. I, yeah. This was such a cool, unexpected thing. I, yeah, what a treat. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah, I was I, definitely in the middle of listening to your podcast when I got your reply, and I had to pause it and like pull over to the side of the road. And I was like, this is the coolest, most surreal thing. I'm His voice is on my radio. Yeah. But he's responding to a DM about earthquakes. To, to, this is the best thing in the world right now. To sit down and talk about movies for like, you know what I mean? Like this is what, this is what I live for. What a, you yes. guys, all, all, it makes me feel like I didn't waste my time filling up my head with all of this stuff. Yes. Years and years and years. So I'm really happy you guys had me on. What a fun and fulfilling podcast. It's a lot of fun, man. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for making the time. Yeah, And we we have to hash out what movie we're going to do next week as we have not done that yet. So you do not have to hang around for the conclusion of that. But before, if you dip out, before you go, could you tell everybody where to find you yeah, on social, you, and you mentioned your podcast. Like at Van Lathan on Instagram and on Twitter, um, and then uh, Higher Learning every mm, Tuesday and Friday, <laughs> and Way Down in the Hole, which is uh, we're rewatching every episode of HBO's classic series, The Wire. I love this podcast uh, every Tuesday and Thursday, but that might be moving next week, so just. Stay up on my socials to to let people know like what days we might move that podcast to. But um, yeah, I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun, you guys. Thank you, Thank so, you much. so much. Thank you. Yeah, yeah and you guys really just subscribe to, to his podcast seriously because even if you don't know what day of the week it is, I never know what day of the week it is anymore. <laughs> but you'll open up your podcast app and you'll be like, oh, damn, there's another higher learning. Good. Like, Please. just be ple- you will be pleasantly surprised every time that you find out that your phone has downloaded his voice again. Oh, so pretty sweet. No, it's, it's, so yeah, subscribe and then yeah, we'll we'll have to hash out. Now we have to figure out the next week because we never do that in advance because that requires planning. <laughs> that requires planning and thinking about next week. All right, guys, okay. thank you so much for having right, me. Thank you. Thank so you. Have a good day. Thanks, man. Bye. All right, so next week we've decided we are going to do a movie that turns out exists, even though we pitched it during this podcast. Day of the Animals: A Shocking Vision of Things to Come from 1977. Wow. The depletion of the Earth's ozone layer causes animals above the altitude of 5,000 feet to run amok, which is very unfortunate for, yes, specific, <laughs> a specific altitude, which is very unfortunate for a group of hikers who got dropped off up there by helicopter just before the quarantine is announced. Wow. This has Christopher Perfect. George, Leslie Nielsen, Linda Day George. <laughs> And uh, it is available to stream on, as always, our favorite. Uh, it says, well, nope, it doesn't have to be here on this. Definitely on Amazon. Um, it, it's available for rent on Amazon, iTunes, all those places. It was saying to be as well. I'm not sure if that's the, still the case. Um, when I went to expand the Just Watch information, it didn't seem to have it. What's so give the, it a try what's there. What's the title again one more time? Day of the Animals. Day of the Animals. Okay. I'll, I'll do a quick search on Tubi while we wrap up just to confirm. Okay. So, yeah. So, theoretically, right. places to stream. Um, and that will be our episode for next week. That's a good vintage one. Sounds so, great. Jordan, where can we find you? 
You can find me on Twitter, of course, at J-O-R-C-R-U, and then head on over to the Patreon, why don't you? Patreon.com slash Cruciola. Read all my things, and hell, subscribe to them, too. Uh, As you should. It's Jordan Makes Great Content. I do. Jason, where can we find you? You can find me at uh, Jason Halftones on any social media platform. I'll be posting some comics and stuff here pretty soon. It'll be a fun time. Awesome. Yay. And then I'm uh, Amanda R. Tubbs, and that's Tubbs with two Bs. <laughs> and uh, y- you really can quick, find me there. Mm, Day yes. of the Animals is available on Tubi. Oh, fantastic. All right. So Tubi time. Great news. Get it on Tubi. Um, so, yeah, you can find me on Twitter uh, constantly, unrelentingly, probably needing to get other hobbies, but that's mine for now. Um, and you can always, if you are a really big fan of absurdist sort of uh, microfiction, you can buy my book on Amazon about a baseball player who time travels and uh, fights Nazis and plays baseball. Hell yeah. Don't miss out on that. Really quick, yeah, want to shout it's out. really cool. Want to shout out also uh, the reviews and and ratings on iTunes. Uh, we got a five star that I don't think we've read on the pod yet uh, from oh, yeah? Sindanin or however you say. No, it. we did. That was the trucker. We read. We read the trucker. That's truck right. It was the trucker. Oh, that okay. was the truck driver. We read that, which right, really is still right. a great one. Still yeah. a great one. You know what? One. I am going to hold on. That's a really good point, Jason. We've gotten a lot of really nice words on uh, Twitter recently. Hell yeah. And KSH underscore two thousand one. Just tweeted uh, earlier today, just started Disaster Pod at the recommendation of a friend because of our shared love of disaster movies. Good job, friend. And my grad school specialty in disasters. Thanks a million, Traveling TVI, for the suggestion. Love it already and not even done with the very first episode yet. Perfect. So I mean, we started so strong. We started real strong. Yeah. So I'm we glad did bring, to hear you We brought enjoyed. our A game on that one. <clears throat> so thank you. That's Keely. Thank you so much for taking the time to tweet about us. Um, and... For your friend, Katie. Katie, thank you for telling Keely to listen to this. Like, this is what you guys got to be doing is bullying your friends into listening to our podcast. Harass your friends. It's quarantine. You need some stuff to talk about (laughs) when you're on the Zoom calls. So you should all, you know, separately listen to the podcast. And then when you reconvene for your game night or trivia or whatever thing. Your jackbox. Yeah, you'll be able to, like, you know, make some casual conversation before you get into it. Because we all know the awkward feeling of getting on a Zoom call and being like, oh, hey, uh, uh," like, you can be like, hey, listen to that Disaster (laughs) Girls, papa. Like, it's so easy. And everyone will think. Really cool. There it is. You know, there's book clubs. Why not have a pod club? Why not yeah. have a pod club? That's a good point, actually. Have yeah. a pod club. Have a pod <laughs> club for us. Be, have your own little disaster diva pod club. You know, just make this happen. This is our community now. Hell this yeah. is all we have. <laughs> this is really all we have in the way of community now. <laughs> um, so I guess that brings us to the end. So rate, review, guys. Uh, please subscribe to us. Subscribe to uh, Higher Learning, which is on the Ringer Network. That was Van's podcast. Subscribe to In the Hole, which is his other podcast. Um, and we'll see you all back next week for Day of the Animals. We will see you there, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.